1: I'm Shamir, and this is the LSQ Podcast.
0: Hey, it's Jenny Elliskew. welcome to episode 51. I've been a fan of the awesomely uncategorizable music of Philadelphia-based singer-songwriter Shamir ever since I heard his song On the Regular back in 2014. And the albums he's put out since have explored an array of genres, but always demonstrating his innate ability at pop song craft, none more clearly than his new self-titled effort, which is where we begin this conversation. This is this is like your seventh full-length album at this point and you even put out another album in 2020 already. This isn't your only release this year. Cataclysm came out earlier in the year. Obviously you regarded this as being kind of a statement moment because you decided to make it self-titled, which you know just as an as an observer feels like it's meaningful. So tell me a little bit about just when this group of songs started coming together and and how it began to feel like um you know an important one to you
1: I guess it started to feel like an important one to me when I kind of like realized that like I knew for a fact that the specific record I was aiming for a more commercial sound I felt confident enough in the sound that I had been working on for like the past like five years to be able to kind of do it in a digestible way you know i think the thing is is that a lot of people thought that after my first record that i couldn't do pop music by myself and like that was kind of the truth in the sense that i couldn't do electronic pop music by myself um because i didn't produce my first electronic (laughs) pop record you know but you know, the pop songwriting was always me, you know, I wrote everything, and, like, I know that I have a ear for pop music, and I kind of stepped away, because I wanted to just develop my own core sound by myself, because I wasn't able to kind of, like, do that once I joined the industry, realistically, you know, like, I did a lot of stuff, like, on my own when I was young, and just kind of just, like, playing around, but I wasn't really able to, like, develop my sound, and, like, I am as an artist so that's what I was doing and I was just like not worried about making it successful or not or making it commercial or making it widely released that's why you know a lot of those records in between also I just didn't do a cycle like you know like yeah. I didn't want to so I knew that I felt comfortable it was two things I felt comfortable in my sound um, and I knew that I was able to kind of like convey it in a, a more approachable and um, accessible way and that I was ready to kind of like do kind of like a more accessible pop comeback and um, show the people that like, yes, I could do it still and, um, and, you know, it's all in the songwriting and that won't go away. So, And so when I realized that I had the group of the solid ones, um, I was just like, okay, I need a good producer, you know? Like, I self produced uh, mostly out of necessity and mostly just because I also, again, a part of getting used to my sound and finding my sound and perfecting my sound was also just like finding my language in the studio. And I kind of put myself out there for a few producers and like no one really bit. And I was just like, feel a little discouraged. And I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'll self produce. And right when I was like, kind of like feeling like that, um, that's when. Kyle, um, who, you know, worked with Kississippi and Hopalong and and so many amazing people, he hit me up himself. He was actually the first producer, I think, like, ever in my whole career that was just like, I like Shamir, I want to, like, work with him, which was just, like major to me, especially since he already worked with people that I really liked, and I also love the fact that he was, like, super Philly, and that I can, like, make the record completely in Philly, and, like, make it kind of, like, a homegrown thing, because, like, a lot of the producers that I was hitting up were, like, maybe, like, New York or, like, LA-based, you know? And then, you know, he did five songs, and... When, when, you know, he ended up doing most of the record, I was like, okay, I want the other producers on the record to also be from Philly and just make it like a super like Philly thing. So I got like Maddie Beats, who produced I Wonder with me, who's like, you know, he's like this super fun, like Instagram, funny videos, like type producer dude. But I had met him in this, in the studio that I work in, in South Philly, that's like right around the corner from like where I live. Um, and we had hit it off so I like told him about this project and then um, the other song was produced by my artist who I'm in the middle of cycle now Grant Pavel he worked on the song with me so it's a Philly affair and and I love it and just like you know Philly's so known as like an indie rock city you know and I think it's really cool also to kind of like work with all these like quote unquote indie rock dudes and um, but still like make it pop
0: (laughs) but when did you first start to feel this creative spirit, the the one that wants to write songs? What was the first inkling of that in your life?
1: Very early on. Very early on. Um, I feel like I was born to be a songwriter. I, You know, my mom would tell you that I was, like, writing, like, little ditties to myself since, like, kindergarten. Um, and, you know, early on, you know, I mentioned in Many of interviews my aunt you know she was a songwriter. Um, a lot of people seem to think that she was uh, successful. Um, but she just wrote songs for fun, you know um, she never did it professionally. Um, she just had a group of m- musically inclined friends that she would invite over because early because early on in, in my life um, my, you know my mom's a twin. So that's why I was so close to my aunt she's basically like a second mom to me you know yeah there's been like a running joke in the family that uh you know uh my mom's twin was supposed to be my mom so like we're kind of like really close in that way and especially since we were like you know both love music and everything so I used to like beg her to like let me sneak in in the sessions that she would like have in her room and, you know, be like, I'll be quiet, like, you know, I won't, I won't, you know, you won't even know that I'm there, and then I was just, like, sit and watch them create music, so it was always, oh my god, who is, like, honking right now? I'm sorry. So, yeah, I got an insight on you know, how to write songs early on and just like seeing like how it's made, like, you know, from yeah. the root of tuta, too, to tuta tuta very, very early on. So I'm really blessed in, in that way as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting when someone grows up with a, a an artist in the house who doesn't do it at a highly professional level, you know, someone mm-hmm. who does it more for the love than for income from it. It's like, I've met I've met a lot of artists who like on whom you could tell that was a good influence because you're like, oh, yeah, songwriting is magic, but it's also magic I could maybe do, you know, and um, because it's just happening around is like it obviously came naturally to your aunt as well. (laughs) So when did songs start to I mean, would you ever just kind of chime in on their sesh and like offer a little?
1: Oh, God, no, I was like, I was like, five, six, seven, you know, very, very early on in my life, but I was writing my own little stuff off to myself. And I remember I just knowing, I guess, just having such an innate sense of um, songwriting structure um, from sitting in on those sessions that I... I didn't quite yet, because I, I was so young, I didn't quite yet realize that um, songwriting structure, much like poetry, um, can be free-flowing as well. Um, but I, early on when I was like six, seven, eight, um, when I was writing my songs, I actually um, section off the paper for each part of the song. So I did this thing early on, this was my method early on, it's so cute, it's so funny, But I sectioned off the top part of the piece of paper as the chorus and just kept that there because I knew I would return to it and then sectioned off the two middle parts for the verses and a section off a bridge. Optional if I want it. And it was just like so funny. Like I like drew the lines, like everything. Like that's how I section off the paper. But yeah, I just really love specifically songwriting. Like that's just how I started writing. Period. You know, like I write a bunch of other things, you know. Um, but it always was songwriting for me first. And then I led into stories and like screenwriting or like Right. Essays. Or just
0: like an in- or just like an instrument or something. Some people just start pl- yeah. playing other people's songs on an instrument instrument. instrument and then evolve that into I know some chords, now I can write some songs.
1: And that's the other thing too. It's also backwards for me in that way. I started writing first and then I was like, okay, I need to start making my own music and that's when I decided to pick up the guitar when I was like nine. Like I begged my mom for a
0: guitar. And what do you think made you attracted to the guitar at that point? Was there an artist you liked who played guitar?
1: Maybe just I wanted to be a country artist. And also like rock, maybe like somewhere between those two so I yeah. think it initially because also another thing that my mom would tell you too is like when I was really young I used to go up to people and be like I'm a rock star and like just flat out and so I knew I knew I just always gravitated to the guitar I think I liked a lot of like classic rock at that point like The Who one of the first records I ever got was like The Who when I was like eight or nine or like something like that and I think that's why I wanted to get the guitar and I think once I started to like get good at it I wanted to be Taylor Swift like I was already kind of listening to country but like once I saw Taylor Swift and like she's young she's stoked she's writing these songs she started writing these songs around my age too because like by then I was like 12 and like that's when she started writing her first record and I was just like if she could do it I can do it so like that was like my like main like inspiration by time I like knew my chords and like was writing
0: Besides being something that just felt like an activity you wanted to do, like, was it right away? Did it feel like an important kind of emotional outlet, uh, songwriting and and playing music?
1: I think it turned into that later on, once like puberty hit (laughs) and I was angsty. (laughs) Uh, But I think before it was just such, it's just, I knew I was born to do this, you know? It was just so innate and just always there. And then it really kind of became a real sense of, uh, of catharsis for me, you know, once I started going to puberty and like feeling things and, you know, um, yeah. and it still is for me now, obviously, you know, um, but I think once life started to hit and I started to, you know, turn into a fully functioning human, um, yeah, of course it did.
0: And what about singing? When did singing start to be something you felt like you needed to do?
1: So singing also came after songwriting as well, which is funny. Um, I didn't really start singing until, like, maybe, like, third grade. Um, that was the first time I joined choir. I think the first and last time I joined choir because I always had a very distinct voice. Um, and the choir teacher specifically had an affinity for me and my voice, but everyone else made fun of me because it's like, your voice is so feminine, even then, you know. And... Um, And so that discouraged me a lot. All the kids made fun of me and like everything. I think he knew that I had something special because I think people who actually like know singing, singing, you know, understand. But also everyone at this point, I'm sorry. Everyone at this point, um, you know, at this very advanced school were amazing singers, you know, amazing singers. And, and so I just, I just felt not good. But that choir teacher gave me a solo. And this was like, yeah, so third grade, so I was like eight or nine. And that was realistically like maybe like the first time that my mom had saw me sing, but I was so scared that I I don't think I did that good. And I think I was like kind of like shook and like my voice was like, it was a little shaky. So after the show, I vividly remember like my choir teacher going up to my bomb and like kind of like ensuring her like Shamir Kissing. Like <laughs> we, 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 like I know he can, like, I swear he can, you know? And I never really sang in public after that. Um, it wasn't until I was like maybe nine or 10 where I sang for my mom again. And she literally told me not to quit my day job. So that was, I think that lit a fire under me. I was just like, I guess I just got tired of being like beat down and, I just worked on my singing from then on. I just practiced. I listened to a lot of Nina Simone. I listened to a lot of jazz. That's that's where I really kind of, like, really, really learned, I think, a lot of technique. I listened to Nina. I listened to Billy. I listened to Ella. I listened to all of, like, the female greats because, like, again, I always had such an affirmative voice and, um... You know, it was easy for me to kind of like mimic, and then from there on, you know, I went to like some of the country singers, and I was like, you know, listening to like a lot of early Taylor Swift, but also listening to like Sugarland, who's like, you know, Jennifer's voice is insane, and um, I think I took a lot from that. But then also like Bjork again, to you know Sarah, and just like kind of just like grew from there. Realistically, so you're just in your room listening to records, and then just singing and along,
0: and just schooling yeah. your just schooling yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's cool that, I mean, it sucks that you had a discouraging experience in the (laughs) third grade with the chorus, but uh, it sounds like it, it sounds like proving people wrong is a motivator for you, it sounds like. I'm
1: Scorpio, what can I say?
0: Oh yeah, there you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when did you
0: first start to record your own songs, and, and how did... How did that go? How did that turn into something that felt like, oh, maybe I could be a recording artist as like
1: my thing? When I started my band, actually, which is funny as a solo artist, but I didn't get really, really any confidence. So I started my band. I was I was doing my country stuff. I was, you know, recording that. I was doing that. I think this was like in MySpace days. I think I maybe like put a few songs up on MySpace. Um, that I, like, recorded with my stepdad at that point because, like, my stepdad was making his own music. Um, he he was a rapper and um, and was, like, doing production and stuff as well and basically had, like, a mini studio. Um, and it just wasn't feeling right. I had fun performing. Like, I did, like, honky-tonks and stuff like that, and, like, I got really good responses from that, but also people were, like, weirded out because it's just, like, why is this weird queer Black kid singing country music and don't even have the decency to at least wear a cowboy hat? I was like, I'm not wearing a cowboy hat. Like, why do I have to wear a cowboy hat, you know? Because um, at this point, I had my long, beautiful dreads. I'm like, I'm not putting this under a cowboy hat. <laughs> um, no. Uh, but I love country music. Like, fight me, you know? So I think that was really jarring, and I think that made – me very angsty and at this point i'm like 15 16 you know and that's when i had started my band and that was really the first time where i just like experienced what it meant to like be a public musician like at the point at that point really no one outside of maybe a handful of friends and like my family heard any music but when i started my band i got a four track and i was really inspired by the vivian girls i like started my band like a week after i found the vivian girls and i was just like this is what i want to do so i got like a cassette for a track because i saw them record with that in a session once and i was just like great that's how we get that fuzzy sound let's go and um and we recorded eps and at this time tumblr was coming around and we were two really hip looking black kids so we were promoting our stuff very heavily on Tumblr, and then that's how we started to kind of get a following. We were like in um, Bitch Magazine. We um, got invited to South by Southwest. We, our first interview ever was with one of the early versions of She Shreds. And so we, and cause you know, my other member was, um, you know, a female, so we, we're really kind of like in the very like feminist punk movement as well. That was like really big, like in the Pacific Northwest. And we had all these fans in the Pacific Northwest. But like no one really knew us in Vegas, which is like crazy. But like we were like in all of these like national media outlets. Um, and even with the, like took off a time, um, we took off time from school, from high school, senior year to go to South by Southwest because we were still in school.
0: Cool. It was so
1: funny. Yeah. But like, no, but at this point we had p- probably played Vegas like four times. Like no one knew or cared about us in Vegas, but when they heard, after we came back from South by Southwest, when they heard that we was at South by Southwest and everything, that's when we finally got an article in the local paper in Vegas.
0: Did South by Southwest give you, uh, you know, some hope that, that artists that are a little harder to peg into genres, like, look at all of this. I would imagine it was just like, oh,
1: I'll be fine. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah, especially because, you know, we were so young, we were 18, we were still in high school, we were so young, and we, you know, got connected through all of these, like, other, like, feminist punks um, on the internet, and, like, that's who we stayed with when we were in South by, you know, like, there was, like, oh, no, babies, you can stay with us, and, like, you know, and so we had this beautiful community that is still very a part of my life now those same people i'm still very close to and um and you know fiona from the vivian girls it was like she toured with me for like the past like two years um so it's so funny just to like how that works out you know and that's when that's when i didn't even care about being successful I'm making it at this point i was just like we have our community and that's all that matters
0: and and so what moves did you make to have it kind of become to turn it into your own thing
1: well so after high school i started working a week after i graduated and so that was really hard just like on the band we weren't able to like write and like rehearse as much as we wanted to because we were like figuring out post high school and adult life and I was working so much and was like working immediately. and just tra- um, just
0: like crappy day job kind of situation.
1: Crappy mean? day job. I got a job at uh, at Ross Department Stores, um, and that's actually where I wrote a lot of the Ratchet stuff. Like I was working the fitting room, and so I had like a lot of like downtime, and I would just write during that downtime. Um, and yeah, so it was just like it was just a transitional time, and I think we both kind of made the very honestly um adult and um mature decision to um take a year hiatus and because we had just released our tape as well so year hiatus was like nothing um and you know we were like kind of like let's take a break while we're still high so we just can like build upon that and figure out our lives and then when we come back together we'll be stronger than ever you know um And so realistically, that hiatus, but we were like, we still wanted to be creative, so that hiatus turned into me doing the solo stuff, and um, Christina, who was in the band, she decided to do a rap thing, and I decided to do a pop thing, because by the time I got to high school, I was really obsessed with pop, because around this time, that's when we kind of got really good alternative pop, you know? Um like early on pop to me was just like everything that was like on the radio which i really couldn't do and then by like 2011 2012 we got one de of and we got marina and diamonds and we got like natalia kills and like those were like the girls for me i was just like oh i see it now i see it and i had got a drum machine so i was just like i'm about to do some pop. like let's do it you know but i wanted it To be less kind of like how it turned out like Ratchet and more like a little gothy as well because I was also obsessed with Zola Jesus. And I think a lot of like those early songs were like very heavenly inspired by Zola Jesus above all. But I wanted to like make it more pop still, you know? And um, yeah, and that's how those early like demos from the first Northtown EP and Ratchet came about. We was just, I was just having fun. And then I sent... Them out to very small tape labels just to get a very small cassette run that I didn't have to pay for myself, and that one of them I sent to was God Mode, and God Mode was just like, "No, we're going to invest in you. We're going to fly you out to New York, and we're going to record these proper." And I was just like, "Free trip to New York? Sure. You know, I look. I'm nineteen. No, eighteen. I'm not even nineteen yet. Like, I'm I'm eighteen, about to turn nineteen. Free trip to New York? Like, are you kidding me? Like, great." Record the songs. Record two songs actually. Fly back to Vegas. You know, not knowing the power that they had because I had no idea at the time that like, yeah, Nick from God Mode wrote for Pitchfork. You know, I to me he was just this weird white man who didn't touch me when he flew me out to Vegas or flew me out to New York. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> which I was grateful for. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, uh, but I get back to Vegas and um and a month later i one of the two songs that we recorded is best new track on pitchfork and i'm just like i i was dumb i didn't know i didn't know i didn't know i didn't think any of this you know what happened i just was like i recorded these songs and i just enjoyed the experience um and then from then on it was just a whirlwind i think I think four months later, I will sign XL, and then boom, we were making the record.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the rest no, it's wild too because if you had known that that was going to happen, still, it's Probably just like again, a you, bit more. <laughs> you well, but but you still were to the earlier point. You're still just that was you were working with what you knew at the time and what you how you thought to execute what you heard in your head, and yeah, like now all these years later. When you're in the studio you have a much better idea how to execute what you're hearing in your head to represent to represent it to other people than you possibly could have even if someone had told you oh you're gonna be pitchfork whatever you'd be like okay here's the song it's the song's the same anyway you know you'd probably just have freaked out about it more before releasing it but but when you're when you were in the studio making this album like looking back now what do you think are some things maybe you're better at now with the benefit of of the experience you've had
1: I mean, I guess it's like understanding mixing and how things should sit and definitely how to record my voice, because recording my voice is definitely a specific thing.
0: And you mean in terms of just like the mic placement and like the- Mic
1: placement, EQing, you know, it's very, it's it's, it's weird because I think a lot of, to think about my voice because it's so high pitch, but it's still very round. I think a lot of people want to EQ the low end out of it so much and have me sound like a chipmunk, uh, and and I'm like no, like that roundness quality in my voice can't be left out. I think, I think to me it's it's it, it's what balances out my voice. So it's like it's those higher frequencies aren't all you hear, you know.
0: I mean, it'll be interesting, too, if your voice gets deeper as you get older, just because everybody's voice gets deeper as they get older, like, as a singer who's used to having your voice in a certain range, that'll be cool, because then you'll be like, oh, shit, it sounds a little different now.
1: (laughs) It's a whole new era. The weird thing is, it's like, I'm not sure about that, especially since I stopped smoking. But I will say this, while... My high notes—I have reached ease in my high notes. I will say that my lower notes are more stronger as well since I stopped smoking, um, which is really nice, and I'm able to like weave between my octaves a lot easier. Um, but I—I I mean, I think I think my voice definitely has gotten raspier as well. I'm waiting. Like, I hopefully I get deeper. I doubt it. <laughs> I've been holding out a hope for that since I was fifteen, um, and I'm not too sure.
0: Like the episode of Friends where Phoebe has a cold and she gets, and she can suddenly sing,
1: oh, sexy. <laughs> that, and that's happened to me a few times when when I've gotten sick and I've always hoped that it was stick and it never does. And, but but just like I said, I, I can reach my lower register a lot easier now that I've stopped smoking, which is weird because usually smoking makes, which is one of the reasons why I started smoking, honestly, because I thought it would make my voice sleeper and it didn't. Um, so I, like, I have a song coming out soon with um, House of Feelings, which is, like, this collective that I sing with a lot, um, where I had some of, like, my lowest notes, I think, in, like, anything that I've ever released with myself, and I'm so excited about it and, like, proud of it, because it really was just, like, really smooth, and, like, I'm like, yes, quitting smoking was cool. Mm -hmm. Yes, kids,
0: Quitting Smoking is cool. When does that song come out? Um,
1: I think I think September, I'm not sure. Oops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe, September.
0: Maybe yeah. before this even comes out. But, um, and what does your songwriting kind of practice look like nowadays? Or how often do you, is there a room you go to? And, and how often do you just sit down with yourself?
1: I've been writing much these days. I've been producing a lot these days um haven't been writing much don't really care to honestly as much as I've read this is the first time I've been able to turn the faucet off in like a while and so I'm enjoying it (laughs) I'm not really trying to write much these
0: days no I mean and obviously this this moment that we're living in is not is not necessarily the most inspiring just because it's you know it's so stressful and it's like yeah I don't think it's I don't think we're all just doing our best to stay alive i don't think we're required to be highly productive during this during this time um, so but productive i productive I just...
1: in so many other ways you know what i mean like just like i said i'm still producing i'm still in the middle of cycle i'm still doing all of these other things but yeah. i mean you know i i've definitely been feeling inspired but i'm not like pushing myself like i'm not sitting down and like trying to write because just like i said it's the first time that like i've been able to turn the tap off I've been writing nonstop the last, like, five years. Like, I, I'm i ready
0: to chill, and it's been nice. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me, Shamir. It's great to virtually meet you.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. This was great.
0: All right. Well, thanks again to Shamir for that awesome conversation, and thank you for listening to Episode 51 of the LSQ Podcast. On the next episode, out in a few weeks, features an interview with The Nationals' Matt Berninger, who this month releases his debut solo album, and it's amazing. And also there are episodes on the horizon with Tim Burgess of Charlatans and King Tuff's Kyle Thomas. So please do subscribe to LSQ. And you can reach me with feedback and questions at JennyLSQ on Twitter. Thanks again. Talk to you next time.